This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast. That's right, I am your host, Marquis Vandemark. And hey, we're in Thanksgiving week. Love this time of the year. Turkey, pumpkin pie, nice little chill in the air. Drop a couple logs in the fireplace. Kids are coming over, grandkids. Sun's out today. It's a little cold out, but the sun makes it feel a lot warmer than it actually is. Most of the leaves are off the trees here in the Midwest. But it's great to be alive in the greatest nation on God's green earth. Thanksgiving week, we're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. We're going to try to get you the true story about Thanksgiving, not the one that the uh, radical far left wants to tell us about how bad America was on its founding. We're not going to talk about the Thanksgiving that the textbooks have rewritten history, but we want to talk about the true America, the one that the radical left doesn't want us to know about or to talk about. They want to change the narrative. They want to change history, take down our statues. They took down the Christopher Columbus statue in the city of Columbus, Ohio, I heard. And so we want to give you the truthful story about Thanksgiving, as written by the late, great Rush Limbaugh. If you haven't heard his rendition of Thanksgiving, I think it's probably the best one I've heard because it's very factual. It's not a rewriting of history, but it's actually the truth about Thanksgiving. And that's what we want to know, right? We don't want to know what the far left wants to tell us about how bad America is, that it's was built on the back of the slavery of our African-American brothers and sisters. No, look at the facts. Let's look at the history of Thanksgiving. So I'm going to talk to you about Thanksgiving from the late, great Rush Limbaugh and his story of Thanksgiving. So the story of the pilgrims begins in the early part of the 17th century. Church of England, under King James I, was persecuting anyone and everyone who did not recognize the church's absolute civil and spiritual authority, actually the state. Those who challenged ecclesiastical authority and those who believed strongly in freedom of worship were hunted down. This is in England in the 1600s. They were hunted down and imprisoned and sometimes executed for their beliefs. So a group of separatists, people who didn't want any part of this, first fled to Holland. That's where my ancestors came from. Vandermark is Dutch. They liked wooden shoes and cheese and established a community. They were there for 11 years. After 11 years, about 40 of these separatists who liked wooden shoes and cheese agreed to make a perilous journey to the New World. They had heard about it, some new exciting place that hadn't been developed. They knew they would face hardships, hardships like you and I don't know, tough times. We don't know the hardships these people endured. We can't. We are way too advanced now. People who lived in the 1600s would not believe life today. Try to explain flight, jet travel, 
space travel to the moon or Mars. They just wouldn't understand it. They knew they would face hardships, but paramount importance to them was living freely and worshiping God according to the dictates of their own consciences, their own beliefs. That's what they were denied the freedom to do in England. So on August 1st, 1620, the Mayflower set sail, carried a total of 102 passengers, including 40 of these separatists, the pilgrims. There were just 40 of them. They were led by William Bradford. And on the journey across the Atlantic, you talk about something that had to be frightening and scary. The Mayflower was not much bigger than a 50-foot boat, and 102 people were on it. On the journey, Bradford set up an agreement, a contract, if you will, that established just and equal laws for all 40 members of the pilgrim community, irrespective of their religious beliefs. It didn't matter what their religious beliefs were. These are the laws that they were all agreeing to live by. Now, where did the revolutionary ideas, these laws, come from? We're talking about the Mayflower Compact. That is what Bradford wrote. The Mayflower Compact was delivered, derived from the Bible. The pilgrims were a people completely steeped in the lessons of the Old and New Testaments. They were devoutly religious people, no matter what else is said about them, and even that is denied. They were devoutly religious. They looked to the ancient Israelites for their example, and because of the biblical precedent set forth in Scripture, they never doubted that their experiment would work. They never doubted they would get to the new world. They never doubted that once they got there, they would thrive. The journey was long, it was arduous, it was dangerous. And when they finally landed, when the pilgrims finally landed in New England in November, according to William Bradford's detailed journey, they found a cold, barren, desolate wilderness. Imagine New England as it exists today, as nothing but rocks, forest, undeveloped nature in November, and getting colder. If you've ever been in New England in the wintertime, it is cold. There were no friends to greet them. There was no shelter of any kind other than hiding under a tree. There was nothing. It was desolate. There were no hotels. There were no inns. There were no places to clean up. There were no houses. I mean, this was real hardship. The sacrifice that they made for the freedom to worship was just beginning. Now, during that first winter, remember, they arrived in November and during that first winter, half of them, including William Bradford's own wife, died of starvation, of sickness, and exposure to the elements. Now we're getting close to what you were taught in school. So when spring finally came, and by the way, writing that doesn't do it justice. Spring didn't just finally come. It was a survival. It was an act of survival that you and I cannot possibly relate to or understand. Maybe American Special Forces can. Maybe the military people who've been trained can understand what the pilgrims were. You and I can't. We've never done anything like that first winter in the New World. They survived it. Finally, spring came. They did meet the Indians. The Native Americans were who were there, who did help them in planting corn and fishing for cod. They showed them where the beavers were so the beavers could be skinned for coats, other things. That's where it ends, and that's the feel-good story. 
but that doesn't even get close to the true story. You know, Thanksgiving is actually explained in some textbooks as a holiday for which the pilgrims gave thanks to the Indians for saving their lives. It wasn't that. That happened, but Thanksgiving was a devout expression of gratitude. The pilgrims, to God for their survival and everything that was part of it. Now, here's the part that has been omitted. The original contract the pilgrims entered into in Holland, they had sponsors. They didn't have the money to do this trip on their own. They had sponsors. There were merchant sponsors in London and Holland. And these merchant sponsors demanded that everything the pilgrims produced in the New World would go into a common store, a single bank, if you will. And that each member of the pilgrim community was entitled to one share. So everybody had an equal share of whatever was in that bank. All of the land that they cleared, all of the houses they built belonged to the, to the bank, to the community as well. And they're going to distribute it equally because they were going to be fair. So all of the land that they cleared and all the houses that they built belonged to everybody. Belonged to the community. Belonged to the bank. Belonged to the common store. Nobody owned anything. They just had an equal share in it. It was a commune. The pilgrims established a commune, essentially. It was the forerunner of the communes we saw in the 60s and 70s out in California. They even had their own organic vegetables, by the way. Yep, the pilgrims, forerunners of organic vegetables. Of course, what else could there be? There, no, there was no such thing as processed anything back then. Now, William Bradford, who had become the governor of the colony, because he was the leader, recognized that this just wasn't going to work. This was costly and destructive, and it just wasn't working. It was collectivism. It was socialism. It wasn't working. The first winter had taken a lot of lives. The manpower was greatly reduced. So William Bradford decided to take bold action, which I will describe when we get back. So we'll take a brief break, and we'll be back in just a second. Okay, welcome back. Let's go on with this story of the pilgrims, the first pilgrims, Thanksgiving. So William Bradford, the governor of the pilgrim community, saw that none of this was working. The Mayflower Compact was not working. Giving everybody a single share of stock in the common store and the common bank was not working. Collectivism. It was as costly and destructive to the pilgrims as it is and has been to anybody who has ever tried it. So Bradford decided to scrub it. He threw it out and took bold action. He assigned a plot of land to each family. Every family was given a plot of land. They could work it, manage it, however they wanted to. If they just wanted to sit on it, get fat, happy, lazy, they could do it. If they wanted to develop it, if they wanted to grow corn, whatever on it, they could. If they wanted to build on it, they could do that. If they wanted to turn it into a quasi-business, they could do whatever they wanted to do with it. He turned loose the power of capitalist marketplace long before Karl Marx was even born, long before Karl Marx was even a sparkle in his father's eye. The pilgrims had discovered and experimented with what could only be described as socialism, and they found that it didn't work. Now, it wasn't called that back then, 
but that's exactly what it was. Everybody was given an equal share. You know what happened? Nobody did anything. There was no incentive. Nothing worked. Nothing happened. What Bradford and his community found was that the most creative and industrious people had no incentive any harder than anyone else unless they could utilize the power of personal motivation. But while most of the rest of the world had been experimenting with socialism for well over 100 years, trying to refine it, perfect it, and reinvent it, the Pilgrims decided early on to scrap it permanently. What Bradford wrote about this social experiment should be in every school child's history lesson. If it were, we might prevent such needless suffering if the true story of Thanksgiving had been taught for years and years and years. So William Bradford, after putting everybody in a common store, the Mayflower Compact, they wanted to be fair. They wanted everybody to have one common share of stock and everything that happened that the Pilgrims produced, and it bombed. It just didn't work. There was no prosperity. There was no creativity because there was no incentive. And here's what Bradford wrote about the failure. For this community, so far as it was, was found to breed much confusion and discontent. They were not happy. In other words, this community was found to breed much confusion and dis dissent and retard much employment that could have been to their benefit and comfort. In other words, nobody worked. The way they set it up killed and discouraged work. There was no need. For young men that were most able and fit for labor and service sat around and did nothing. They should spend their time and strength to work for other men's wives and children without being paid for it. Why should they do that? So they didn't. That was thought injustice. Why should you work for other people when you can't work for yourself? What's the point? Do you hear what, what he was saying, ladies and gentlemen? The pilgrims found that people could not be expected to do their best work without incentive. So what did Bradford's community try next? Then harnessed the power of good old free enterprise by invoking capitalism, the principle of private property. All the way back in the 1600s, it was incredible. Every family was assigned its own plot of land, and they could do with it whatever they wanted to do. This had very good success, wrote Bradford, for it made all hands industrious, so as much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been. So when profit was introduced, when the opportunity to prosper was introduced, it went gangbusters. That, my friends, is the essence of the true story of Thanksgiving. Now, this is where it gets really good. So they set up trading posts and exchanged goods with the Indians. After they had enjoyed this prosperity, it was not the Indians that brought them to prosperity. It's not said to insult anybody, but Indians assisted in their arrival undeniably. But what led to prosperity for these original settlers was the common store failed. Socialism didn't work. It's when they introduced what turns out to be capitalism. They didn't have the name for it, but when they turned loose individual incentive, keep what you produce, sell what you don't need, and went crazy. This is not something they taught by anybody, by self-experience. It was not the Indians. None of this is said to put anybody down. Don't misunderstand. The Indians did a lot of things that helped them, but it was their own industriousness. They set up trading posts and exchanged goods with the Indians. They sold stuff to them, and those profits allowed them to pay off their debts to the merchants their sponsors in London and in Holland, 
And you know what? The success of that colony after they had abandoned socialism and tried what was essentially capitalism, the word spread throughout the old world of this massive amount of prosperity that was there for the taking in the new world. And guess what happened? The new world was flooded with new arrivals. The success and prosperity of the Plymouth settlement attracted more Europeans and began what came to be known as the Great Puritan Migration. And all it was took was prosperity and the word spreading across the Atlantic Ocean of how there was prosperity and it was there for the taking. All you had to do was get there and give it a shot. The lesson is the true story of Thanksgiving is what William Bradford and his pilgrim community were thanking God for the blessings on the community after the first miserable winter of a documented failure brought on by their attempt at fairness and equality, which was socialism. It didn't work. Only when they abandoned it did it work. And I need to say it again because I don't want people to misunderstand and get their noses out of joint. The Native Indians, the indigenous people, the Injuns, whatever you want to call them, they were of considerable assistance and they were friendly when the pilgrims arrived. But they had little, if anything, to do with the prosperity that occurred. Because that was the result of Bradford and the pilgrim leadership deciding to change their structure, the Mayflower Compact. Now, Indians assisted, naturally, we can't deny it. I mean, they taught them how to fish and this kind of thing that they didn't know how to do, and that led them to be productive, undeniably so. But it was the pilgrim community itself which experienced this massive prosperity, the word of which spread all the way back to the old world, Europe, and across the Atlantic Ocean. During the winter of 1620, only 44 out of the original 102 pilgrims survived, including their first elected governor of the colony, John Carver. And it was an Indian named Squanto came to their rescue. Squanto was no ordinary native. Early settlers in 1610 had captured him and sold him into slavery. A group of Catholic friars freed him and brought him to England, where he learned to speak English. In 1618, serving as an interpreter on an English ship, he was brought back to the New World. It was Squanto, who is famous Native American in his own right, in the Pilgrim story. It was Squanto who taught the Pilgrims how to plant and fish, how to skin beavers. It was Squanto who brokered a peace treaty between the Pilgrims and other Indian tribes. There was more than one tribe of Indians, and it was not harmonious. It was not friendly, and at one with nature. It was not anything like the multiculturalists would have you believe. There were squabbles, there were power struggles, turf battles. It was human. The Indians, the pilgrims, everybody was scrambling for power, for survival. Survivability was the name of the game, and it was not guaranteed. Now, many of the pilgrims literally believed that God had sent Squanto to save them, and they believed the pilgrims believed that without Squanto, they never would have survived or thrived. And they experienced a tremendous harvest in 1621, and that's the big gathering that is taught in the history books. The Native Indians and the pilgrims joined together for a huge feast, which is the foundational story of the Thanksgiving story that's taught in public schools. But again, that is not the real story of Thanksgiving. That's the textbook brand. It did happen, but it's so much more than that. One of the most important legacies of early settlers is that they experimented with socialism in the 1620s, and it didn't work. Private property rights and personal responsibility 
two pillars of a free market economy saved the Plymouth colony from extinction and laid the economic foundation for a free and prosperous nation that we all enjoy today. And that is exactly right. That is the true story of Thanksgiving. And that has been and should be shared with every Thanksgiving for the past 31 years. So there you go. Thank you very much, the late, great Rush Limbaugh, for your Thanksgiving story. I think it highlights the most important aspects of our nation and why we are the greatest nation on God's green earth. The Pilgrims brought the idea of personal responsibility, incentives, giving us the freedom to practice our own beliefs, our faith, and yet they tried the equality, the socialism, where everybody's equal. And because of fallen nature, because of sinful nature, unfortunately, that equality just didn't work. And it wasn't until free enterprise and capitalism was introduced and incentives were set in motion that the early pioneers, the pilgrims, founding fathers were able to figure it out and the rest is history. And today we live in an incredible country that is continuing that tradition. But it is at risk. We have the forces of the left, the communists, the socialists, the AOCs. Unfortunately, the Democratic Party, which has lurched far to the left, Joe Biden, they seem to have been hijacked by the radical left, the woke crowd, people that don't believe in free speech and want to cancel and divide us, call us racists, put us in a box, divide us. We are a united America. We are American. What makes America great is our unity. We're the United States of America, not the divided States of America. So let us take this time this week to be grateful, to think about our freedoms. When you sit down with your family over a beautiful Thanksgiving dinner, let us be reminded of our pilgrim fathers that sacrificed their lives that first winter, experimented with the Mayf Mayflower Compact, worked out all the kinks, and gave us a perfect constitution that later came. And now we live in a nation that is prosperous. We have our problems, don't, don't get me wrong. We, we have to fight for freedom. Freedom is not free. Forces of evil, the forces of socialism and communism are still alive in our colleges. Critical race theory is being taught in our K through 12 classes. We need to rise up. We need to speak out. We need to speak about our freedoms, free enterprise, prosperity incentives, Second Amendment, First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to protect ourselves through the right to bear arms. These are all the foundation of what made our nation great. So let us re be reminded. Let us uh, not forget where we came from. Let us be appreciative. Let us be thankful. And by the grace of God, let America prosper, return to its roots, and that there be one day a great awakening where all of God's children can be rejoicing together in the United States of America. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday with your family and friends, and we'll see you next time on an episode of Affirm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquis Vandemark. God bless you all. Have a wonderful time. This is 
the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it.